Lightning Lee Murray wanted to be world champion in the UFC. He just happens to be involved in the largest cash robbery in the world. He's definitely not sane. <laughs> Showtime Sports presents the unbelievable true story about the MMA fighter who pulled off one of the largest heists in history. Huge amounts of money, armed gang, disguises, kidnapping. This is the sort of thing you see in Hollywood films. We've never seen that for real. Catching Lightning, streaming Friday, April 7th, only on Showtime. Streaming with Paramount+. Plus. As if the McCrispy couldn't get any better, Bacon and Ranch just entered the chat. The Bacon Ranch McCrispy, available at participating McDonald's for a limited time. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. What's going on, Broncos country? This is your host of the Orange Weekly post-game podcast, Tanner Lee. I'm going to be joined, like I am every week, by my co-host Jeff Ryan here momentarily. We're going to be breaking down the uh, Broncos' loss on Sunday to the Chiefs at Arrowhead by a score of 30-23. to Jeff was actually fortunate enough, lucky enough, uh, to be there in person on Sunday, so it'll be cool to hear uh, straight from him about his experience, the game day culture at Arrowhead, all that stuff. Um, but really wish we were talking about a Broncos win. Um, but is what it is. We're just got to move forward and get ready for the Texans. So with that, here's a little music from the Mad Fanatic. If you listen to this podcast, uh, you're used to me bringing in my co-host, Jeff Ryan, by now, but I'm going to do it anyways. Jeff, how are you this evening? I'm good, Tanner. Thanks for having me on again. Sorry to have to push the podcast back a, a day or two, but glad to be back on with you. Hey, they would rather us take our time and produce a good podcast than uh, rush <laughs> ourselves. So uh, There you go. But yeah, let's uh, hit on the... Broncos, uh, yet another disappointing loss, 30-23 to to Kansas City at Arrowhead. You were there in person, so uh, tell us a little bit about it. What was the experience like? Uh, what was the coolest thing you saw? Coolest Bronco jersey, et cetera? Yeah, it was, uh, it was a great weekend. Um, my sister and her husband live out there now, so I got to see them and visit uh, Kansas City for the first time in a while. Uh, the, the day itself in terms of game day reminded me very much of uh, 2003 when I was there, which I had mentioned that story um, on the last, po- last podcast, but um, it reminded me very much of that. It was beautiful weather, um, about 65, 70 degrees, perfect blue skies, not a cloud in the sky, um, a noon game, uh, much like, like that game in 2003 that I was at. And, um, also, like that game, the Chiefs had a very good team. Um, you know, going into that game at six and one, you could feel the excitement around the city, um, you know, all weekend, Kansas city, uh, unlike Denver is kind of a, um, homegrown city. And what I mean by that is like a lot of people that live there are from the either Kansas city or surrounding areas. Whereas Denver, there's a lot of, you know, true Broncos fans that grew up in Denver, but there's also a lot of people that live in Denver from all over the country and the world. Um, and so, Chiefs Kingdom out there is really uh, unique in that way that that everybody loves them um, in the entire city. 
and so you kind of feel that right away when you're there you see uh chief's logos on the on the buildings and and the lights are lit up uh of course in red and um all the bars and and restaurants you go to people are wearing their chief's gear on friday through well really monday through uh that following sunday um and so it's definitely um you know they, they have a team to be excited about you could feel that energy right when i got there um game day itself was great i uh, woke up early and and got to the tailgate which if anyone has ever uh, been to you know big time college atmosphere for tailgating this has that very similar feel where people really get into it and and the parking lot surrounds the stadium by 360 degrees um it also houses the uh, kansas city royal stadium which is pretty cool and um you know everyone has their their grill set up by 7 a.m and people are already drinking you know uh you know whether it's coffee and baileys or or already beer or whiskey or whatever it is people are drinking early which is kind of kind of but um it was great man the uh the people there were actually awesome um you know as much as we we hate the the chiefs from a fan perspective uh the people there were great they're really welcoming and you know you got your typical um kind of fan chatter of, you know, saying we're going to beat you guys and kick your ass and all that kind of stuff. But, but, uh, for the most part, everyone was so welcome. Um, you know, it helps when they got a confident team and they know they're playing a Broncos team that's three and four. I'm sure that gives them a little more confidence, but, uh, the game itself was awesome. Arrowhead was as loud as ever. And, um, you know, of course I was bummed to see a Broncos loss, but it was, it was a competitive game. Uh, beautiful weather and uh, got to spend it with some good people so it was a good weekend yeah definitely uh, definitely could have been worse I would say yeah. uh, from yeah. the snaps you sent me in the pictures it looked it looked awesome I was jealous I couldn't be there that's definitely a stadium I want to get to one of these days yeah you and I will be out there sooner than later on and got a we got a place to stay which helps <laughs> yeah absolutely anytime we don't have to uh, get the wallets out that uh, that definitely makes it nice but Maybe yeah. maybe we should wait till the Broncos uh, have a better record going in next time. Yeah, there's there's no question that uh, <laughs> I, I think if we wouldn't have if I wouldn't have gotten the tickets early, there's no, there's no doubt it would have been harder for me to want sure. to see the three and four Broncos team going in there. But you know, I, I still I still love watching Broncos football, and I, I was still just as excited as ever. Um, you know, we still have a lot of a lot of great players on the team that unfortunately are just on a overall mediocre uh football team but um, it was good to see vaughn and demarius his last game as a bronco and uh, which we'll get into of course but uh you know it, it was still it was still a great time and wouldn't have wouldn't have changed it for the world so absolutely well glad to hear you uh, enjoyed it and uh had safe travels down there and back that's always uh, important of course um before we get into the game itself did you see any cool uh, broncos jerseys or even any cool chief jerseys for uh Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Sorry, I forgot to address that. That's all right. Um, I did see a couple Philip Lindsay jerseys, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Um, he's already starting to get some buzz, as you know, and as the rest of Broncos country knows. Um, saw a couple Steve Atwater jerseys, which I thought was cool. Oh yeah, that's you know, fitting. Mm-hmm. Maybe his, you know, most memorable play was against the Chiefs. Um, let's see here. Saw a um, a lot of John Elway's. Um, I was wearing Elway myself and got a lot of flack for that from the Kansas City fans. You know, they, 
John Elway did a, a pretty good number on them sure. uh, back in the day in, in big games. Uh, sure. Uh, one funny thing that they showed on the Jumbotron, of course, was the flashback to when Elway uh, was in Arrowhead and told the ref that he couldn't hear um, <laughs> and to try to quiet the crowd down, which was a little embarrassing. That's funny. Honest. That's funny. That's pretty uh, good on their of, part. Yeah, kind of one of those funny rivalry moments. Uh, um, Kansas City-wise, you saw a lot of Mahomes. I mean, they, they are. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, for, they're crowning him as as the goat already. Well, and for that team, they have so many players you could choose from, jersey wise. Yes. Uh, yes. But besides Vaughn, was there any other active player right now? You saw a lot of their jerseys, or not really? Was it more just uh, former mm. players? I saw a few Demarius. Um, yeah. Vaughn was easily the biggest, yeah. of course. Um, and that's kind of how it is right now with uh, Bronco yeah. jerseys. I mean, it's either you got to retired player you probably got von miller um most likely but but like you said philip Lindsay jerseys are selling pretty fast and i think we're going to see Cortland sutton jerseys uh, start selling pretty fast too i I agree um i did see a couple chris harris which is cool oh yeah Um, saw a couple chris harris so i I think more people need his jersey i mean uh, for how good he is i don't think a lot of people wear it but all right enough uh enough jersey talk we've beat around the bush long enough let's uh Let's get into the game itself. Uh, Broncos started off hot, had a 7-3 lead after the first quarter. I thought really they got off to about as good a start as you could hope. But then by halftime, they found themselves down 16-14. But they had the momentum going in the half when Case Keenum found a wide-open Tim Patrick for his uh, first career touchdown. How were you feeling at halftime? Well, I was I was feeling thrilled to be in the game Um just down by two points, um, especially because I think we got the ball back with, correct me if I'm wrong, but it was maybe over a minute, but I, I even thought it was maybe like 54 seconds. It was over a minute. I think it was like a minute 15, if, if my okay. mind serves okay. me correct. Okay, yeah. It's funny how when you're in the stadium, you kind of lose track of oh, exa- sure. mm-hmm. exactly the time and things like that. But um, it was definitely under two minutes, and I was impressed that we were able to put those plays together and get – get back in the ball game i was also though worried because i knew kansas city was getting the ball at the half and we had since the end of the first quarter had not been able to stop them whatsoever um so i wasn't feeling confident by any means um i was also really frustrated because i think i don't like to harp on you know one play throughout a game um but this game had one play to me that really altered uh the way the rest of the game went in my opinion and uh it was third and two in the second quarter. Um, we were up seven to three. We were moving the ball. We had two huge penalties before this play um, that set us back because we had completed a pass to Emmanuel Sanders down the right sideline. Um, that would have set us up around the, I want to say, like 35-yard line. Um, and it was called back because of offsetting penalties. And then there was a hold on bulls. Um, Imagine course, that. <laughs> which which we'll get into. <laughs> um, but the play that I'm referring to is third and two. We've been running the ball great all day and then uh, decided to get fancy. Musgrave did and called an end around to Emmanuel Sanders, which went backwards for five yards, setting up a long uh, Brandon McManus field goal, which every Bronco fan in the stadium kind of saw coming that the, you know, the crowd was really into it. He hadn't missed a field goal all year and he pushes it right. Uh, so that, that right there to me was the biggest uh, momentum changer in the game because up to that point we had total control. I mean, we looked 
like we were flustering Mahomes. We had gotten him outside the pocket. He was uh, throwing the ball away. Um, we could have taken a 10-3 lead. Instead, they get the ball, drive down, make it 10-7, um, and, uh, of course, scored again, missed the extra point. And uh, long story short, I was glad that we made a 16-14, but in my opinion, that that series there um, with the third and two play was the biggest uh, momentum turner in the game. Yeah, going back to that that play in particular, I, I didn't agree with the call at all, but watching on replay, if Matt Lacoste makes any sort of effort to hold off his guy, Emmanuel gets the first down. Matt Lacoste yeah. did such a bad job on the edge of blocking there. It was embarrassing, to be honest. Man, but It goes to show this team's execution is lacking at and times. He's and not a blocking example. tight end. He's a receiving no. tight end. So yeah. Um, yeah. Th- this team, the margin of error is so slim for this team. Yes. And yes. we just keep shooting ourselves in the foot. I mean, yeah, we had so many holding penalties, and most of the time it was after Phillip or somebody else ripped off a 20-yard run. That was the mm-hmm. frustrating part. I think Phillip had three runs come back for a total of 65 yards. Wow. Um, that's, that's just, oh, that kills you. Oh, we're on pace for like 36 holding calls this year, which would be the most in the league in years. In oh, years. Yeah, that, uh, that says a lot, doesn't it? It does. It really does. Um and I, I just don't get it. I don't, I, you know, I think a lot of it's coaching, but some of it falls on the players too. I mean, when you got <laughs> players consistently making the same mistakes every week, it's like, how can we get this drilled into their head? Um, yes. I even heard an interesting thing today on the radio. It's probably not going to happen, but they think Valdir might play this week, be back, which would be huge. They said, <laughs> why, why not put Valdir at left tackle and try to get Garrett Bowles at right tackle? Yeah, it's like, why not? I mean, why, why, why not know, try something? But I have a feeling if we do play ourselves out of the playoffs, which I'm trying not to be negative, but it looks like we're going to sooner than later, that the rest of the year after that is Garrett Bowles' final chance to prove that he can do something. Yeah. But that's just my opinion. So. No, I'm with you 100%. Yeah, I, I, I thought the offensive line struggled big time. On Sunday, I mean, Keenum uh, was getting pressured all day. Uh, I thought he played so-so. He went 23 for 34 for 262 yards, two touchdowns, Mm -hmm. and an interception on like a 10-yard flea flicker, which Mm -hmm. if that was the the design route to go to, that was a (laughs) head-scratcher. I mean, great play by the Kansas City defender, but if if I could sum up the Broncos season so far in two plays from that game, it was the interception on a 10-yard flea flicker and Kareem Hunt, just uh, yeah. leaping over um, Will Parks. Yeah, I mean, it, yeah it's that, just those two plays kind of just kind of put the Broncos season so far in a nutshell. <laughs> yeah, no, th- those both were kind of uh, just punches to the gut, um, and I I completely agree. It describes us perfectly. It shows you a team that um, is undisciplined and. Uh, can be talented and, and creative at times and then just fall apart in the next second. <laughs> so We did have four guys I thought play really well on offense. Uh, Philip Lindsay had 18 carries for 95 yards, one touchdown. He averaged 5.3 yards per carry. And like I mentioned a few uh, minutes ago, he had a lot of yardage called back due to penalties. So I thought mm-hmm. he played really well. I thought Devontae Booker, a guy I've been really hard on, I yeah. thought he played really well. Nine carries for 78 yards, average yeah. 8.7 per carry. So uh, I thought he played really well. Cortland Sutton had three catches for 78 yards. Emmanuel Sanders had four for 57 yards. 
And I'll give Tim Patrick another shout-out. He only had one catch for 24 yards, but it was a touchdown. He also had one rushing attempt for 13 yards. So I think he's uh, proven to be a proving that he can be a big part of this offense. And going forward with uh, the loss of Demarius Thomas, he's going to have to be a bigger part of this offense. Yeah, he is. And uh, he's shown when he's got playing time that he can be reliable. And, um, you know, that's what this that's what this team needs right now. But I don't know. It's also kind of a sign that, you know, I, and I don't want to dog on Tim Patrick too much because I don't know a lot about him. Um, but we're three and five for a, a big reason. And, when you're starting to highlight guys named Tim Patrick, I mean that does that say a lot? <laughs> yeah, I know, you know? I know. Uh, but all of a sudden, he's the number three wide receiver on this team. Maybe I number know. four uh, when Deshaun Hamilton's healthy. Um, yeah. yeah. But yeah, it's uh, I don't know. And uh, what do you think of Case Keenum's play being there live? Incredibly mediocre. Um, <laughs> that's just that's I just mean, what he is. I, yeah, it just doesn't look like he's got a lot of velocity on the ball at times. I, I think that flea flicker was a prime example. Um, I think he was throwing into the wind at that point, so I don't I don't want to totally discredit the play. But, I mean, first of all, like you said, the route is head-scratching. Um, so, besides that, yeah, I, I thought his velocity on the ball was poor. I, I thought just overall he can make a throw every now and then. But can't most NFL quarterbacks, you know? I mean, I think he... He shows at times he he can make a play when he needs to, and other times he looks bottom of the bottom of the rung uh, quarterback. Um, even the throw to Emmanuel down the sideline um, was a little bit underthrown, as was the pass to Tim Patrick. I mean, the guy's wide open, and I and I had to get scared for a second because he throws it too late. I mean, I, he's like missing guys um, late. He's not picking up the routes on time. I I don't know. I'm just not. I'm not thrilled. Well, it uh, seems he's, he's not eighteen million dollar quarterback. No, and, and and you know I'm an armchair quarterback critic. I've never played a yeah. down of organized football in my life, let alone at quarterback, just flag football. Yeah. And uh, but he his miss is the underthrow. The only throw I can that stands out as an overthrow miss this year was that one in Week Four against Kansas City at home to the Marius. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. He 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 his miss is the underthrow. He does he just yeah, doesn't put enough juice strength. on it. You don't see Mahomes doing that. His miss is no. the overthrow, which you saw in an interception to uh, Justin Simmons. Yes. Yeah. Um, and, 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 but, you know, I thought Mahomes played very average until I looked at the statistics. He mm-hmm. was 24 for 34 for 303, four touchdowns, one, one interception. I know. Still a pretty know. good game. And, and we did yeah. sack him. We had one and a half sacks on him. Uh, Bradley Chubb yeah. and Von Miller got a half sack each. And then um, – uh, one of our reserve defensive backs, uh, Demonte Thomas, got him on a uh, yeah. on a safety blitz. Yeah, so. that was a really nice sack late in the game when we needed a play. Um, there, I'm telling you, there was times, from my perspective, watching the football game in the stadium, I felt like we actually contained Mahomes really well, like you thought. Like you thought. Um, now his stats say otherwise, but I think a large part of that is because their offense is so interesting and it's so efficient that a lot of their yards are after the catch. Uh, so it didn't feel like he was airing the ball out a ton or anything like that, you know. I mean, it felt kind of like a Patriots-style offense where a lot, a lot of dink and dunk, a lot of, you know, 5- to 10-yard, um, uh, uh, you know, I don't, fade routes mm-hmm. and, and uh, cut route. I don't know what I'm trying to say. Sorry. but uh, It was just a lot a of lot flat of, routes, a lot of hitting yeah. – uh, 
Oh, uh, uh, he, he hit Kareem um, out of the backfield five times. Yeah. Uh, but but they did have some big plays. I mean, I'm looking at their stats. Sammy Watkins had eight catches for 100, 107 yards, two touchdowns. Travis Kelsey had yeah. six catches, 79 yards, touchdown. Um, yeah. uh, Tyreek Hill had three catches for 70 yards. So they did yeah. hit some hit some big ones, but they, did, they didn't really spread the ball around a ton. They just went to their same guys, and we just couldn't stop them. No, no, we they're they're so much faster. I mean, they are so much faster than our offense. It's unbelievable. Um, well, well, and and going back to our offensive line, uh, you know, struggling. I didn't realize this till right now. D Ford had three sacks himself. Yeah, and uh, I don't know if that was on the left side with Bowles or what, but well, you know, they were without Justin Houston, who was a late scratch before the game. So I was feeling pretty mm-hmm. good about that, but they got yeah. the, they got the case five times. So um, it it's, it says a lot because it it shows that this offensive line is built maybe for run blocking, but oh, yeah. not pass blocking, and you, you got to have both. I mean, you you can't be one oh, or the other. You know, you know, it's it's made for run blocking, but yet, and I've stressed this, I stressed this pregame before the game Sunday. I know Kev, Dan, and uh, David stressed this last night on the beers broncos and no bs facebook show i'm just gonna Uh keep stressing it because i just can't get over it the broncos right now are averaging 5.5 yards per carry which leads the league and uh is the top in franchise history history wow Wow. but yet we're towards the bottom in rushing attempts (laughs) that that, there what more evidence Uh, do we need than that right there not yeah that's fireable, yeah. in my opinion, yeah. in um, terms of in Musgrave especially. I mean, there's some things he does that I like. Other things just have me scratching my head. That that goes for the whole coaching staff. It does. Um, I think does. Joe Woods has got his defense a little more under control the last mm-hmm. couple of weeks, but it seems like Musgrave's offense is taking – Jeff, I, don't, I mean, besides Carlton, I don't have confidence that this team can score 30 points. No. I no, really I, don't. I don't. I don't either. I mean, look at the team we we scored more than thirty points against. They're one and seven. They're trash. They're and, the and worst team in the NFL. Fire. Yeah, or one of them. Yeah. So, uh, no, I, I have no confidence in it either. I mean, you get the ball back. Not not to jump ahead here too much, but you get the ball back when when we're down thirty to twenty after a huge interception from Justin Simmons, and you're thinking, great, we got a whole quarter. If mm-hmm. we can even score a mm-hmm. field goal here. Yep. Within three minutes, we're in this football game, yep. and Case throws that pick. I mean, <laughs> the flea flicker. <laughs> those, yeah, that's the kind of stuff that's been going on all season because this offense is just so, so bad at times. Yep. Oh. Yep. It, it's just there's no consistency. No. There's just none, none in the coaching and, and I'm, staff. I'm really of the belief that you know I know we've talked about how we don't want Lindsey getting hurt by touching the ball more, but that guy needs the ball in his hands. No, you're right. He, he's dynamic and. Uh, um, I haven't read or heard anything about Royce Freeman this week. It'd be nice to get him back too. Um, yeah, yeah. But no, Phil Lindsay's special. He really is. He's he's a he good is. he's a good football player. Um, yeah, and he's so versatile. Um, yeah, and I thought he played good. Um, but uh, any any other thoughts on the game itself before we move on to this next topic? Um, I think it. Uh, I think it showed exactly what both teams were. I think it showed that we're a three and five football team um, that, you know, could finish with six or seven wins if we play decent enough. (laughs) 
Um, it also showed at times that we could not win a game the way yeah, we play at times. Absolutely. Uh, but, I, but I think our record is very indicative of the kind of team yeah. we are. I think we're a subpar, yep. mediocre football team with a journeyman quarterback and a coaching staff that looks lost at times, um, but but can be competitive at, at times as well. I mean, it's not like we got blown out against arguably the best team in the league. I think we played pretty dang hard. I mean, we're, you know, we're um, – we're making this sound like this is an awful game, but really when you think about it, both games against the Chiefs were pretty good football games. I mean, we were in the game, um, both games. And so it doesn't matter. I mean, that, that you know, it, it, the, there's no moral victories in the NFL, but um, it's frustrating to know that we've been close at times and yet so far away at other times. And it's kind of the, the story of this team. And as for the Chiefs, it shows that they are a 7-1 football team. They're very disciplined. Um, it never felt like they were worried about losing that football game. Um, and they're going to be tough for the rest of the year. So, No, you hit the nail on the head. I think this team's they've proven twice against Kansas City and once against uh, the L.A. Rams that they're good enough just to get beat. Yes. <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, that's a great way to put it. I mean, they're good enough to hang in there. But I don't yeah. know, this game to me on Sunday had a, a feeling – just like the Rams game, which we kept it close, but I just never felt confident enough that we were going to get the lead or win. I just, I never I felt that way, unfortunately. So, no. uh, but yeah, you mentioned it earlier when you're talking about your experience at Arrowhead. It was Demarius Thomas's uh, last game in a Broncos uniform. We talked about that last week. We both were under the, the impression while there was a lot of interest coming in for him, we thought he'd probably finish the year as a Bronco and then be let go after the season, but we got a, a fourth round pick offer from the Texans and we swapped seventh round picks. So now he's going to be playing in mile high on Sunday, <laughs> but he's going to be in the visitor locker room. Pretty so interesting. Bizarre. I don't think I've ever seen anything like that, at least in the NFL. Yeah, no, not in the NFL. You see that every now and then in baseball, just because it's such a long season that managers and owners don't really care about that kind of stuff. Um, in, in terms of like trading a guy to a team that you're going to play the next day, um, but I don't, I can't name any player that has been traded and will start against their former team the very next week at home. I mean, that's it's so weird. Um, and you you can't make you know you can't make front office decisions based off of the next team you're going to play. Uh, but it's still kind of head scratching. I mean, I will not be surprised at all if Demarius has a great day. Well, yeah, he'll probably just run some simple routes like goes, curls, slants, because he's not yep. going to know the playbook. But mm-hmm. look who's probably going to be guarding him. It's probably going to be number 29, Bradley Roby. Which is kind of scary. <laughs> Very scary. Kind of scary. Uh, I know Chris and, Harris and, said today and, that if he guarded him, he'll shut him down because he's good. <laughs> and the, you know, um, But, but uh, um, go ahead. What were you going to say? Oh, no, sorry. I, I was The only thing I was going to add to that was, you know, with the with Deshaun Watson playing quarterback, I think it's the perfect quarterback for Demarius because he can scramble and, oh, yeah. and turn plays into, oh, yeah. into longer yep. uh, plays for Demarius to get open, um, whereas Case has no ability to do that whatsoever. And, and Demarius um, Thomas becomes a number two wide receiver for the first time in his career since probably his rookie year or yeah. his second year. Yeah, I mean, he's, you know, what, what's your, what is your overall opinion of the value that we got and of the timing and do you, were, were you overall pleased with the trade? It had to happen. Um, yeah. I mean, I'm, 
I'm sad to see him go. In my, I mean, he's he's been one of those staple guys. You know, like listeners might know if they follow the show. I've only been a Bronco fan since uh, 2009, so Demarius has been there as long as I have been a Bronco fan, and yeah. he's the best Bronco wide receiver I've seen. Now, of course, I'm I'm caught up on my Broncos history, everybody, but so I think he's arguably number two behind Rod Smith in terms of uh, wide receivers that uh, rank in the franchise history. Um, so he's definitely arena famer. Joe Ellis already, um, came out and said that. So, which was cool yesterday. Um, but, uh, you know, I'll, I'll never forget some of the highlights he had, especially the, uh, wild card, uh, catch and run in <laughs> overtime from Tim Tebow against Pittsburgh. I don't think any yep. Bronco fans are ever going to forget that one of the best moments in uh mile high history. Um, uh, yep. but I think the timing of it, it had to be done. Um, I was a little disappointed in the value at first when I heard we only got a fourth-round pick and swap sevens until I heard what was coming in. Um, according to, I believe it was Cecil Lammy, a lot of teams were only offering a sixth-round pick. So wow. this fourth-round pick is by far the best offer we got. Um, wow. I do know the Patriots were interested. So were the Philadelphia Eagles, who actually went out and got Golden Tate for a third-round pick um, just a little bit later after the Marys was traded. So... Uh, so I, when you put it in those circumstances, I can't really complain about fourth round pick. It's definitely time for everybody else to step up. I mean, Emmanuel Sanders has got to be a number one wide receiver for the first time in his career. Cortland Sutton's now the main guy. I mean, I think his play anyways, and the promise he showed was another reason why John was ready to pull the trigger. Um, saves the Broncos a lot of money because the Marys was going to be owed a bunch of money next year. Um, they're, they're building money to make moves in the future. Um, yes. While it might hurt this team now, it's going to help them in the long run. And I want to go back to a comment John Elway made yesterday, shortly after they traded um, Demarius Thomas. I thought it was interesting. He said he was happy for DT, went over all his accolades, and said now he gets to go to a team that's in the pennant race, which, for one, I thought it was weird to call it a pennant race because usually that's a baseball <laughs> reference. But two, yeah. a lot of people didn't catch on to this. I did right when he said it. My eyebrows kind of raised. So he's admitting that while the Texans are in the race, the Broncos are not. He's pretty much admitting that without yeah. flat out saying it. I thought that was kind of yeah. genius on his part. Yeah, yeah, I I completely agree. I got the same I get the same feeling of all right. Well, I guess we're throwing in the towel. And you know, I, I've never said this um, since Peyton, and I've never wanted to admit it until now. Um, but unfortunately, the Denver Broncos are in rebuild mode. Uh, we are. We, we're a rebuilding organization. Um, we're not a win-now team anymore. And, um, you know, we wanted to believe that maybe Case could be that Jake Plummer miracle and get us 13 wins. It's never going to happen. Um, we're trading away a longtime cornerstone on offense. Uh, the defense has been totally rebuilt. Uh for the most part, uh, since Super Bowl 50, uh, we've lost some very key pieces. You know, Vaughn's not going to be in his prime forever. I mean, he's still great and should, should give us a few more good years. But, I mean, we got to look at this the way it is. The Broncos are rebuilding, and um, I don't know. It's just hard for me to admit that because I've never seen this team in my lifetime go through this. Literally, I've never – I mean, even after – even after Elway, we, we bounced out of uh, the Brian Greasy era so quickly. Um, it's, uh, 
it's just hard to see, but at the same time, you know, and we've been very fortunate, you and I, to watch some great games, especially with DT, like that Pittsburgh game you said, and, um, you know, hopefully the organization can get their feet under them and, and get back to winning football, but I'm ready to say that they're fully in rebuild mode. Yeah, I well, look, we're starting to see a youth movement a little bit. I mean, on offense, mm-hmm. all of a sudden, without DT, you got Emmanuel as the one wide receiver, but he's only on contract through next year. He's in his 30s. But then you got yep. a young guy in Cortland Sutton. Uh, you got a young guy in Deshaun Hamilton. You got a young guy in Tim Patrick. Not sure what his future is going to be with the Broncos, but um, he's, he's right now arguably the number three or four wide receiver, so I'm putting him in there. Your tight yep. ends are all pretty young. Your running backs are all young. Um. Yeah, so on offense, you're pretty young all of a sudden. Defense, you still have yeah. a mix. But even defense, I think we're slowly going to see that transition here. Yeah. I mean, this is kind of a yeah. gen- generational transition we're seeing. Unfortunately, yeah. it needs to be done, but it's going to be at a cost of taking some more lumps along the way. Yeah. Um, uh, what – and you know, it's, it, it's a weird situation right now with the franchise because this whole – uh, the Boland family trying mm-hmm. to do a lawsuit and everything. I mean, a lot of questions up in the air right now about the Broncos' future. Um, mm-hmm. So it, it's a it's a it's a weird time. I mean, it's always always proud and happy to be a Broncos fan. Wouldn't want to like any other oh, yeah. professional football team, but it's a it's a it's yeah. a weird time to be a Broncos fan right now. Um, it is. Um, we just got to remember, better days are ahead, but they yes. might take a little longer than we want to get here. Yes. Yeah, and that's a good way to look at it. And, you know, one reassurance for Broncos country out there is, you know, this is one of the worst stretches of Broncos football in terms of these last two seasons that we've seen in a long time. Um, but the fan support on Sunday was astounding. I mean, there was a ton of blue and orange everywhere from the tailgating lot to inside the stadium. And uh, there was pretty loud Broncos cheers even in that first quarter when things were proud organization i wouldn't want to be a fan of any other team um i still say that proudly and even you know to be a patriots fan but i still wouldn't wouldn't want to be any uh, fan of any other team and uh i hope they figure it out um you said it perfectly it's a weird time the organization from top to bottom is just kind of seems like it's in flux but hopefully they get themselves grounded and uh yeah, better times are ahead. Well, and really, Bronco fans throughout the history of the franchise have been pretty lucky and pretty spoiled. Um, if yes. the Broncos do end yes. the season with a losing record, it's the first time since 1972 that they've had back-to-back wow. losing seasons. So that's uh, wow. that's a long time. I mean, think about it all is. the other franchises who have had back-to-back losing seasons in that time span. Every single it one is. of them. It, yep, yep. Even even the New England Patriots before their their. Uh, great run here since 2001 uh we're a bad football team for many years absolutely in the 80s they were. And early 90s so absolutely they were everyone goes through it everybody and, does uh, hopefully we get out of it it's just not fun to go through it but uh i still have trust in elway even though wow you google his name or on social media or something you see a lot of fans uh blaming him which he does deserve a good amount of the blame but yeah. um uh, real quick before I let you go, uh, a few moves, and I know we're getting ahead of ourselves a little bit, but one move I want to see John in the front office make before the season comes to an end, the regular season, uh, get Matt Parrott as a contract extension. Get him done now. Yes, yes. He's he's the biggest part of that line. 
yeah. and the most reliable. Absolutely. He's the uh, most underrated center in the league, in my opinion. And uh, a lot of people outside of Broncos country don't even know who he is. But he is a stud, and they need to get him locked up. And I think moving Demarius was a step closer to doing that, um, freeing yeah. up some money. So. So yeah, but but besides that, I think all the other questions going forward, we're just got to wait till the off season and then in the draft. Yeah, I think there's a lot of questions going forward. Were you, I mean, in order to wrap this up here, but um, were you surprised at all that uh, no defensive players were traded, especially Brandon Marshall? I thought if any Wright. of them, Brandon Marshall was um, yeah. going. I didn't. I didn't even think about Shane Ray to be honest. I kind of yeah. forget about Shane Ray. Unfortunately, he's yeah. hurt a lot, and I just yeah. already. In my mind, he's already gone because I don't think he'll be a Bronco next year. Uh, yeah, but even yeah. Brandon, you know, he played Sunday, but Josie Jewell played, I think, uh, just by the eyeball, and I think he played more mm-hmm. snaps than Brandon did. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, you can tell he's going to be the guy to take over that position. So maybe there was just no value for him. Maybe yep. teams were offering six, seventh-round picks again, and that's what's the point of doing that, yep. I mean, honestly. Yep, and, but I was so glad was, Chris Harris Jr. and Emmanuel didn't get um, yes. sent anywhere. So cause yes. they're going to have to be the leaders of the team now. And that's another thing. Losing the Marys, you did lose a leader. Um, just look at the, yeah. all the outpouring support of the Bronco players and uh, everybody that yeah. tweeted how much they're going to miss him and stuff. A lot, a lot, of, a lot of guys were pretty hurt uh, today and yesterday yeah. about him leaving, especially his buddy Emmanuel. Rightfully so. I mean, he was there for a long time. Um, he was the, the longest tenured. He was the longest tenured Bronco. And I was trying to think of to myself who would be next. Uh, I think it's Vaughn. Wow. I think you're right. Is it yeah. Vaughn or Chris Harris? But I think – no, they were both on the team. So they might Cause, – Because Demarius was drafted in 10, correct? 10. Yvonne was drafted in 11. 11. So, and I, yeah. I know Harris was on that 11 team. Wow. As a, yeah. As so a I, think, I think it's those yeah. two. Wow. I believe. I could be well, mistaken, but – I wish him well. I think he's uh, in a good situation with Will Fuller going down there and yep. uh, a five and three team that could easily win their division. So I could I could see them that. reconstructing uh, his contract down there in Houston and uh, them having a three headed monster with him, Fuller, and Hopkins next year. Uh, That'd be pretty impressive. I mean, I mean that that's what's scary. We're not only playing the Texan team; we're playing a Texan team who's won five straight games, <laughs> and they have a mean pass rush with JJ Watt. Uh, uh, J- yeah. JV, or Clowney and uh, Merciless. So, uh, what's crazy is, I mean, I know this team has no feel of a competitive team really at this point, but a lot of three and five teams don't throw in the towel. I mean, I remember when the Chiefs were one and five and finished the season ten and six, um, and you can just tell the feel of this whole organization is that it's over. Well, you do want to you want to know a weird. stat I threw in there uh, pregame on Sunday. Hmm. I heard this before Sunday's game. Teams that start off the season four and four since the NFL went to the two wild card playoff format. Teams yeah. that start off season four and four make the playoffs twenty nine have made the playoffs twenty nine percent of the time. Teams wow. who have started off three and five, seven point five percent of the time. <laughs> uh, and we're yeah. now in the seven point five percent. So yeah. it's pretty Not unbelievable good. what uh, uh, the one game difference can do. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, anything else? To wrap up this week? No, hopefully uh, better conversation after the Texans game next week. 
yep, uh, yep, <laughs> and, and I'll let uh, Jared and Matt handle the X's and O's with the pregame podcast and let everybody know what to look for. But, uh, Jeff, I really right. appreciate you jumping on again this week. Um, glad you had a good time in Kansas City despite the loss, and uh, we'll talk again next week, hopefully after a Broncos win over the Texans. Thanks so much for having me, Tanner. Go Broncos. Go Broncos. And that's going to wrap things up for this week's edition of the Orange Weekly Postgame Podcast. Once again, apologize it was a little later this week, but you know sometimes uh, life just gets in the way, so I appreciate Jeff being able to hop on tonight like he did. And we appreciate everybody listening to this. You know, um, uh, all of us here at Orange Weekly appreciate you listening to our podcast, watching all of our shows. We know you have a lot of options when it comes to uh, Broncos coverage, so we appreciate you uh, listening to our content, watching our content, and giving us a chance. Um, and our weekly content's usually scheduled out like this on Mondays. Uh, Jason usually does the Orange Weekly After Dark show, which is a Facebook Live show. He takes your comments, your questions, talks about, about anything you guys want to talk about. Now, Tuesday at 9 uh, p.m. Um, Eastern Time, 8 p.m. Central Time, and, of course, 7 p.m. Mountain Time. We do the Beers, Broncos, and No BS show. That's a Facebook Live show hosted by Kev Dan, and he's usually joined by David or Ray or another member of the Orange Weekly staff. Uh, That's the show we take your questions, your comments. Whatever you want to talk about is what we talk about. Uh, So uh, if you've never watched one of those shows, go check it out, get interacted, uh, get involved. It's really fun. Then on Wednesdays, uh, myself along with Kev Dan, we are on a platform called Get Vocal. We also stream it on Facebook, but unlike the Tuesday show, on our Wednesday show, The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly, which we break down what we thought was good, what was bad, and what was ugly from the Broncos' previous game, we only take questions that are from the Get Vocal platform, which you can get on there, type in a message, or if you want to chat with us face-to-face, it's kind of like a radio call-in show, but we can see you, you can see us via webcam, camera, phone, whatever you're using, so... um and, and that's free. You can either go to the website, GetVocal.com, or download the Get Vocal app on your phone. That's at 7 p.m. Mountain Time, 8 p.m. Central Time, 9 p.m. Eastern on Wednesday nights. Then towards the end of the week, always look out for the pregame podcast, which is hosted by Jared and Matt. They do an excellent job of diving in and uh, letting you know what to look for and what to get ready for for the Broncos' upcoming matchup. They really get involved in the X's and O's. Two great football minds there. It's really good stuff. And then uh, something new we uh, just put in last week, uh, Kev Dan and myself, except um, this upcoming week is going to be Kev Dan and either Ray or somebody else from the uh, Orange Weekly staff. Uh, Tailgate talk. About an hour and a half before the kickoff, we get on Get Vocal, and uh, we really break down what we're looking for, keys to the games, going into the game, what we're going to be watching, things like that. Uh, we want to hear from you, what you're excited about uh, heading into the Texan game. So look for that hour and a half before kickoff on Get Vocal this Sunday. And then at halftime of the games on Sunday, you can always look for the halftime hash on Facebook. Either Kev, Dan, or Ray usually hosts that. Um, they talk about what they liked or didn't like during the first half of the Broncos game. And they want to hear the same from you, what you liked, what you didn't like. So what I'm saying is we got plenty of content for you almost every day or night during the week. So if you haven't already, go check out the Facebook page, Orange Weekly. Give us a like there. Follow us on Twitter, at Orange Weekly. Follow us on Instagram, at Orange Weekly. And uh, check out our content. 
So uh, with that said, I'm going to leave you with a little more music from the Math Fanatic to get you pumped up for Sunday's big game against the Texans. Let's try to get a win heading into the bye. Go Broncos. Orange, man. 